Welcome back to The Experience Makers, the podcast brought to you by Wonderman Thompson Technology. I'm Java Milne, and once a month, we'll be reimagining customer experience with guests from across the marketing technology industry. Stepping up to the digital experience challenge is a mammoth task for any business. The demand for personalized experiences across the ever-expanding number of available channels is driving a proliferation of customer segments and context-based decisions that are becoming increasingly hard to manage. Digitally mature businesses are investing in capability to unlock their content supply chain and deliver dynamic content to the right people on the right channel at the right time. But what does this take? In this episode, we welcome Cleve Gibbon and Gabriel Stern to the Experience Makers to demystify what it really takes to plan, create, manage and deploy content effectively in this experience age. Cleve, Gabriel, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show today. Um, why don't we start by just doing a round of introductions and hearing a little bit about each of you. Cleve, we'll start with you. Hi, my name's Cleve Gibbon. I'm CTO of Wonderman Thompson, also part of the WPP network. And my role is a, is a technologist, so I'm responsible for understanding how to deliver on the various experiences, processes, and, and talent that's within an organization, and how an agency can help support that using technology, whether that's creatively, with innovation, or just doing operational excellence. So I'm all about the technology, but to do that, I need to understand what's upstream. And um, this is where we're going to talk about content today. Awesome. So happy to have you, Cleve. You're obviously a, a repeat guest as well. So we're, we're extra happy to have you coming and joining us on the show. Um, Gabriel, over to you. Give us a little bit of an intro as to who you are. Hi, guys. I'm uh, Gabby Stern. Gabriel, everybody calls me Gabby. I'm Global Chief Client Officer at Wunderman Thompson Studios. What that means is that I'm leaving our client and new business operation from our content and studio uh, teams globally. I've been around for a while. Some people might know me for 20 years at WPP already. Originally a mathematician from Argentina, as you can see in my accent, but I've been around, you know, in several roles of CRM, digital, regional clients and Argentina and US and the last 10 years here in Boston, uh, taking this role globally. Love it. So happy to have you here with us, Gabby. Also fellow ex-mathematician as well. So uh, big up the, the numbers people. And sure, there's plenty of you listening in, considering it's a, a tech show. But today we're going to be talking about or the title of the episode is Content Supply Chain and Dynamic Content. And basically, we're going to be exploring this idea that in order to kind of, I guess, um, you know, deliver dynamic content to the right people and the right channel at the right time, this kind of dream of digital marketing and, and experience that, that we all talk about and advocate for when it comes to the future of marketing. That can be quite a difficult thing to deliver. And as consumers these days, you know, we are bombarded with content across every conceivable channel, digital or otherwise, 24-7. And every organization, no matter what their primary role is, needs to be essentially a content creator and a publisher. So maybe we can start by talking a bit about what are the real and everyday challenges on the table for organizations that are I guess, grappling with this enormous content challenge. Um, Cleve, we'll start with you. The challenge that I see is that the, the word personalization is the one that is front of mind and on the end of everybody's tongue when they talk about what they want to do with content because they want to get to the consumer and go all the way down from a mass to the one-to-one. -one. But personalization, you can't achieve that until you've done the hard work. And the hard work really is getting your content in the shape where that it is easy to actually deconstruct and reconstruct 
depending on the channel, depending upon the context and depending upon the audience. And to do that, you have to really look at content holistically. And that's why we use the word supply and also the word chain, because it is a chain. You start from creation all the way through to consumption by the consumer. And at each point along the way, what we're seeing organizations challenged with is how do you get, how do you create content? Then how do you store it? Then how do you make it findable? Then how do you actually pull it out? And then how do you reshape it? All of those things, how do you translate it, transcreate it? And Gabby will go into more detail around this, but that is a chain of effect. And then it's the weakest link. And what we're seeing is some organizations are maturing one areas of the chain and less mature in others. So you need to actually get to a, a certain base level of maturity across the chain before you can then start leveraging it for your personalization ambition. Amazing. Well, let's turn straight to you then, Gabby, to get that that extra bit of detail about this um, so-called content supply chain. You can you can talk a little bit about these challenges, as I as I asked him, Cleve about as well. But I would love for you to kind of go into that terminology a little bit more for those of us who aren't experts. What do we mean by this, and and what are these constituent parts? Yeah, totally, Gemma. And I think, as you mentioned, uh, there is a very clear dream, and everybody dreams about what's the end goal. But really, the nightmare is on the journey, as you know, and the difficulties that you know really we and our clients are really facing because they're not starting with that dream; they're starting from where they are starting. As Cleve is mentioning about different levels of maturity that is connected to different industries that have done this before, and they have more first-party data and things like that that push them forward into make it easier for personalization, but. You know, everybody sees the need, right? The need for content, like, you know, from the students is actually, you know, building content ourselves. You know, the need for content has grown exponentially, right? And then, you know, you have different audiences, you have better ways to personalize, you have more channels, you have more fragmentation. So it's becoming really difficult uh, for clients. And at the same time, their consumers um, and their clients and their patients or whatever it's called, whomever is receiving their messaging, um, are expecting a more seamless omnichannel orchestration on the way they connect with those audiences. So that's created a massive tension of complexity, also taking into account, you know, where their starting point of them. Um, so I think the, the supply chain concept, if you start thinking about, you know, massive amount of content, you need to start thinking about, you know, in a simplest way about manufacturing and distribution of that content. That's why the supply chain come into play about, you know, you need to generate content, you need to assemble content, and then you need to distribute that content in a way that makes sense. But I would add the complexity to the supply chain here, the distribution, which at the end of the day is the audience, it's a moving target. So it's not just that you have a fixed, you know, manufacturer at scale that you need to distribute this content, it's a moving target, and you need to include also learnings and optimizations while you try doing that. So that's why this is really becoming more complex and what those learnings from, you know, supply chains make sense to incorporate into the content world, uh, taking into account, you know, all the complexities and the starting points from the different clients they're facing right now. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I like that idea of taking inspiration from something like supply chain, considering, um, you know, I mean, we spoke about supply chain before and um, certainly it's been a big topic, particularly um, off the back of the, the pandemic and how supply chains have suddenly been something everybody's been thinking about and having to grapple and understanding this idea of complexity um, much better. And obviously these challenges that you've both outlined, um, what they require then and what supply chain management requires more generally is this idea of having to organize in a completely different way within businesses in order to manage this complexity. 
Um, so I wonder if we could both, I'd love to hear from both of you, what does a sort of ideal setup look like in terms of thinking about content supply chain? People, roles, skill sets, capability, the whole hog. Tell us what does an ideal content supply chain management um, system or organization look like, Cleve? It's a tricky one because the word content supply chain sort of in your mind, you think about it linearly, right? So if you think about a chain, it's like one chain and it's, it's linked and it's it's a line, but it's not. That's that, I would say that's when you think about content in a complicated way. But as we said many times on this already, content is complex. And also that means it's more networked. So the supply chain is a network, it's not a chain. Um, the second thing you'll notice is that content, it, the word itself is a conflation of two things. It's the copy, which is the words, as well as the assets, they're totally different things, totally different life cycles that need to come together. And so when we think about what does good look like for a good supply chain, um, you need to have proper leadership and ownership across the different parts of the system. You then need to figure out what capabilities are required to wrap around that particular area of the ecosystem. And then you need to think of the end-to-end process that needs to deliver an outcome and some results. You then need to think about the talent that's required to do that, the maturity of that talent, and then the skills that need to be transferred in moving from one place to another. So organizationally, it's very difficult because if I'm a CPG firm, I'll have a different level of maturity to what I would if you were in the, um, I would say the newspaper business. They have a very, very different level of maturity in terms of content versus health. Um, so the industry, the organization, and also what's currently in place are all factors that actually um, contribute to this. Gabby, I want to bring you into this then. So let's also add the fact that um, it's not just complexity in terms of all these moving parts. You said there's also the global uh, point to, to make here when it comes to creating content. I mean, for enterprise business, tackling content challenge at scale has all kinds of governance and compliance issues, not to mention just translation and getting that correct. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some real life examples um, that you're seeing across your clients, what kind of issues they face and how they're solving them. Yeah, totally, Gemma. And, and that's right on. Like, you know, at the, the global complexity and, you know, many organizations, um, I think the starting point, as we said, it's critical and some organizations are more you know market-led organizations some of them are product-led some of them have like specific channels that they double click on you know and as, as Cliff was saying it's really depending on the vertical so to give you a couple of examples and and it's also as we talk about the path to that dream and goal i think there are different strategies and there is not like necessarily one right or wrong but i'll give you a couple of examples so you get a, a better feeling across different industries from cpg from pharma and from others um you know one is you know acknowledging where they're coming from which in many cases they're coming from a fragmented team setup so they don't have on the client side which is something that is i would say something that they have to and some of them are already doing as as Cleve was saying is you know, thinking holistically about content and having somebody that can own more of an end-to-end, you know, as a supply chain, even if it's more of a network, as Cliff mentioned, to be in charge of content overall. But then also the vendors that they worked on. So one of our, our clients, you know, they pick the first decision to try to get rid of the silos was to consolidate. So they used to have, and this is very typical in many industries, that they have channel-based vendors. So the first thing that they did was, okay, we need to consolidate all the vendors into one, 
and all the channels into one. So we can have all these channels into one roof. And they picked the biggest market in this case was the US for them to try that as a first approach to, okay, let's start getting all the channels together. And then as a next step after that, we were really able to start building new omni-channel approaches and more component-based approaches and agile approaches because we were looking at content holistically across all the channels. So that's one one strategy. It was this just a first step, but that's an interesting first step. Another one that we were working on took it totally different and then acknowledging that even their personalized approach from a channel specific was so behind on video or certain channels specifically on video. So they double click on building a better content at scale for video across the globe, not just for US, across the globe. So they tried to tackle the whole world in one channel as a first step to then move to, okay, then we're going to consolidate all the channels and then we're going to go to that dream uh, stage. And then on the CPG front um, that we're working on, it's also, you know, what's the right organizational uh, lenses that you need to have? You know, we have several clients trying to tackle content at scale by, you know, at some point doing decouple and putting everything offshore and then there was a trend of everything in-house or everything on-site and then we had COVID. So I think a blended of these approaches from an organizational standpoint is also very important that puts you in the right foot, both vendor-wise, agency-wise, but also client-wise to be able to get to this dream stage that you know it's hard to accomplish, right? But I think that's a little bit of different strategies, I would say, that you can pick from picking a market, picking channels, picking content as a whole, starting with an end-to-end in one brand. There's no right or wrong. I think at the end, everybody acknowledged that they need to make progress and they need to make progress fast because their consumer expecting that from them. Of course, one of the, um, I guess, main themes of this show, um, and I suppose a lot of the work that the, both of you will be involved in and people thinking about digital experience more broadly, is is what is the role that technology can play in unlocking um, these, these strategies, these ideas, you know, organizing your people and your organization is one thing, but then actually having systems in place that allow you to, to really unlock that potential is obviously key. So Cleve, I'm going to turn to you to, to hear a little bit about the, the role that technology plays in this. What systems are organizations investing in and how are they stitching them together in your in your network as opposed to a chain uh, to create this dream seamless workflow that we're all trying to work towards? I would say that on the technology side, the technology is there to enable the process and the and that people follow when they do their day-to-day. And so one of the problems I see around content is that it has to be raw, which means it has to be channel agnostic. And the challenge we have with content is that most people will enter content through a web-based interface and will collect all the markup. So HTML will be embedded within the content itself. So you use technologies to actually remove that HTML so it's a raw format. And there are various ways in which you can do that. You can go headless, you can can design it there are, and there's technology to do that secondly you want the content itself to be have a voice to be self-describing and that means you want to be able to say to a piece of content oh i'm a i'm an investor report you want to be able to ask that content what are you reporting on what's the company what are the stats for that content to have a voice it needs to have semantics it needs to have tagging it needs to have a taxonomy so there are tools that enable you to give metadata to content so you can ask your questions so it's self-describing and then you have the last part which is modular so you want content to be disassembled and reassembled 
which means that you have to model and design for it. So there are design tools that you can use. You can use UML, which is case studies tools. You can use Excel to do your content modeling or go straight down to Post-it Notes as a technology to design that modular content. So I see a lot of technologies that are being used, but all to push the agenda of making content so that it's more malleable, it's raw, it's self-describing, and it gets to a place where it needs to be. And one of the tools that I'm seeing a lot of is content planning, content calendars. There are lots of tools that allow you to do that because being able to see what content needs to be at a particular point in the future, you need to plan for it right to left. And it's better to do that through tools that are shared and those tools go across the teams. So that's super important. Technology is the plumbing. The content is the, the stuff inside. So we need to get the plumbing right. Gabby, I want to pull you in on this technology point as well, because obviously you working mainly with the clients and representing the client needs. How does, you know, what their their vision for what they want and the needs for what they, they want to deliver for their customers tie in with having conversations about implementing perhaps new technology systems or using technology systems of an agency versus ones they have in-house, maybe ha- perhaps having to rebuild with new systems in order to deliver what they really want. You know, how, how do you have these kind of conversations about utilizing technology or, or doing it in a way that makes sense for what the client really wants? Yeah, I think that, um, and, and I think Clay mentioned as well, I think the technology plays a big part, you know, connected also to the process and to the people and to the organization, right? I think all clients, I would say, are, are hearing and listening and, you know, getting bombarded as well you know, to some extent from people like us and, and other type of vendors, right? They're talking about AI, AI. So they listen everywhere and say like, what am I missing, right? What is my competition having that I don't have? So I think there's an important part of educating their clients as well of, you know, how to use this technology, where do you use it? Like we're using several tools as, you know, Clive is aware as well. And some of these tools are, you know, our own tools and Wunderman Thompson tools from compliance, from QA, from automating production and so on. But all of these things requires going back to our original theme about supply chain of thinking content differently. So that means that the way the content gets created needs to be thought differently. The way to be able to use these technologies and, and to really use the scale of the modularity component of it, you need to think about creative differently in an, you know, in a channel agnostic point of view, as, as Clip mentioned as well. So it requires a lot of change and they get super excited. But we need to also educate them of, you know, how to go through that journey and help them. And, you know, we need that and then show them how to use it, what they need to change, what the results. And the tools are, you know, as always, getting smarter and smarter every time. So they're getting better as well. So I think it's making it easier for us to to use them and to automate processes and to automate content, even to get to AI-based, you know, content generations and things like that that thought to be like, well, impossible, even on, you know, heavily regulated uh, industries that it is possible. So I think also tools are getting way better, but we need to also help clients to see what's the best way to implement those. Just briefly, Gabby, I want to build a little bit. You mentioned AI and automation there, and, and you also mentioned the fact that clients are perhaps feeling bombarded by too much information, too much advocacy, uh, and uh, just being ending up not really knowing where to start with not only just the technologies, but these sort of themes such as AI, machine learning, automation. So um, from your perspective, thinking about AI and automation, what are some of the applications that you're advocating for right now that do enable this really dynamic flow of content that isn't futuristic as such, but is implementable today? 
Oh, we are already implementing, so it's not futuristic. I think, you know, there is a, a lot of tools around, you know, automating content and creating versions. I think some of them came from the, you know, the media side, like DCO type of tools, but they can go beyond just media and creating just versions at scale, which is very little, you know, manual interventions once you have the right, you know, master and you have thought about all the right, you know, matrices on audiences and messages that you want to play out. So if you do the right work up front on how you're thinking about content, then, you know, it just reduces the amount of effort and the amount of manual labor to create versions or options or things like that uh, dramatically. It's, that's an, an obvious, you know, way, but we're doing it and it's, it's working. The other one on the AI, I think from a more of the QA and some of the complexities on regulations as well, that you can use these tools that can look at images and using AI engines to really understand what the image is saying and getting to conclusions about is this the right ratio between you know the logo and the person? Is the product on the right place? Um, and that also gives learning, like not just QA to make sure that you get it right from you know a QA standpoint but also getting those into learnings, the actual actionable learnings that you can implement in your next iteration of templates or whatever you're using. I want to move on to, to thinking a little bit then about some best practice and some advice um, for those who are listening that hopefully are agreeing with you that this idea of creating a, a supply chain or a supply network um, and utilizing technology to do that um, and you know restructuring the way you do your organization with this, this new idea of what it means to create content in a dynamic way makes sense but thinking okay well now what so um cleave you know does such a thing as best practice for this exist yet or are we still in the sort of early days of just thinking about the concept and muddling our way through i don't think we're at a stage where we've got best practice um because practice i mean we will you hear the adage um progress over perfection so i think we're at a stage where we need to get better practice if you know what i mean so that means being able to try something and iterate over it um, and so what we're seeing is that, yes, we've we've gone out and we've distilled down our, our principles, our ideas into a sort of like a playbook and we've published that on the content supply chain. We've done that and we're starting to iterate and make that better. And what we're seeing every time we, we deploy something, we go back to the book and we add to it, we change things, we, we take things out, we add things. And so I think we started to exercise the muscle and the muscle are, are things like, okay, um, we want to be able to take everything that comes out of a, the created cloud and the things that when you create those assets, and then we want to put it into a, a management system. And that means once you've created something, you're going to put it into something else and you want everybody else to find it. You want everybody else to actually have the right tagging on it. That requires a lot of thought. That requires practice. And you don't get it perfectly right, but you need to make sure what comes out of one system, the creative system, is tagged. And then when it enters the management system, it's using the same vocabulary. And therefore, we have consistency and alignment across the taxonomies. And then we're using technologies to make people find and recommend the best content. So they, if I'm in Brazil versus Argentina versus China, and I create a piece of content, that is good at all three of them. They don't create it three times, but they're able to see when they publish somewhere, it's useful somewhere else. And with a little bit of transcreation, they can take something that's built in one local area and reuse it somewhere else. Those are the practices that have big, big impacts on brands that actually are global, but it's they're kind of simple to put in place, but you have to think about it. And that needs to be a part of the better practice mindset. 
Gabby, I'd love to pull you in on this um, this idea of best practice because um, everything we're speaking about it, it sounds in some sense a little bit daunting, right? And obviously, we've got your your you guys have published your your ebook, and people can go to that to kind of um, get a little bit of an idea of this in a more structural way. But it would be great for organisations that are just setting out in this journey. What sort of practical advice would you give to at least get them started getting towards better practice, as Cleve put it? Yeah, I think I, as Cliff mentioned, I don't think we are at the best practice level. I think what we have is some success stories, I would say, that we are learning. And as, as Cliff was mentioning, we are starting to put it into our best practices. But I think it's a lot about also, you know, exercising the muscle, as Cliff mentioned, right? Um, and, and how you do it and you keep doing it. And I think the client needs a vendor that has that experience in their muscle. So I think an important advice that I would say, because I've seen them like struggling many times with this, it's to look at what are those you know, vendors. You know, obviously some consolidation, some of those things are needed in order to implement this sort of change. You cannot have everybody everywhere trying to, you know, work out the same way. Um, but just thinking about what that's, you know, vendor ecosystem that have enough muscle of trying this out and successfully delivering it. Um, I would say that's one. And the second is looking at you know, there's a natural advancement and maturity as we talked uh, on different industries because they set up because the information they manage and because their own regulation and so on and to learn from them as well that would be my advice to those you know clients as well to look at you know what's upstream on other industries what vendors they are using and and really learn from that there's a lot of good learnings just by looking at how those are operating Love that. So, so get your inspiration from um, from existing case studies. I love that as a piece of advice. Cleve, I'd love to ask you the same question around, um, you know, organisations that are just starting off on this journey. What would be your your pieces of practical advice to get started? I'm always I'm a big fan of executable strategy, and for me, executable strategy means um, having a not a completely filled in picture of where you're going to, but having an idea of your current state and then building the first step to get there and being very clear what that first step is, but with a view of where your ambition is. And what I've seen organizations struggle with is they build a current state, but they also put pieces of the future state into the current state. And so the reason they do that is like, we want to show you where we want to get to. And then you get this horrible mix things so be very clear on what your current state is and then build your first step and then take it and then retrospectively look back at that and then build your second step that is the simplest piece of advice i'll put, give to everyone but it's very difficult because everyone gets a little bit excited and they start building everything into their current state but you have to move step by step and so think big start small but then leverage and stand on what you've actually built and move forward and for that, for content, be very clear. And also, lastly, create a glossary of terms for your organization around content. Because they said it in Princess Bride, it's like, you keep saying that word, but I do not think you know what that word means or, or something along those lines. It's super important that everyone aligns on the words because the glossary is what you'll share across the business as well as the view of content. Especially if you're going to, as you said earlier on, start having content that self-describes if you're tagging things differently it's not exactly going to work is it um gabby you you wanted to add something there go, go for it yeah i think it's really important cliff's point as well on you know have a clear strategy like where you're heading um and then there are many ways that you can start 
um, to make progress towards that. Uh, but you need to know where you're heading. You can start with, you know, as you know, picking a market or a region. You can, you know, pick a very color category within your company. You can pick channels. You, you can do many ways to get to the end goal. But I think it's really important that you have an idea what that end goal is and then start with a small first step and build success and then push always forward to keep going to that direction. I think the target is going to keep moving. So it's important that you move forward. You do that first step in a you know, small scale, something that it's really doable, because if not, you can get lost. There's so many things, as Cliff was saying, even getting the vocabulary right, getting the taxonomy right. There's so many things that can go wrong. So I would just reinforce the importance of a first step with a clear direction of where you're heading. Final question. What are you really excited about in the future with respect to all this? You know, how could developments in AI, automation or other technologies that are out there that you see on the horizon become game changers when it comes to ensuring that dynamic content delivery is, uh, is really doable across the board? Uh, Cleve, we'll start with you. So this is my super excited area. I love this bit. Um, AI machine. So I went back to school this year. I I went back and did a, a diploma in AI for business for the very purpose of actually trying to understand what's going on here. So let me take you back 20 years. 20 years ago, we would look at the governance of a, a website and we'll say, oh, that image it hasn't got the right resolution or that image tag doesn't have an alt tag, so it's not very accessible. But we do that post-fact. We do that once the website was published. Then 10 years ago, we said, oh, that's a bit silly. Why don't we look at, um, at the author stage and prevent someone from publishing bad content? That's where we got to. Today, it's totally different. Now it's using AI and machine learning. And AI for me is really machine learning, which is all around predictions. We can now say, uh, here's a piece of content for, a, for an ad. And we can ask the AI, is this going to convert in the eyes of the consumer? And we can just put numbers on that. So we're not even going to publish adver adverts anymore that don't have a conversion level that we think is right. And so we're now not putting into market stuff. So when we talk about AI and content, it really comes together. We have the data, we have the content, and now we can make decisions very smartly on which ads will really be the most benefit for our customers. And AI is allowing us to predict those things and to do it at such a scale that for our for our clients and our consumers, this is all a win-win. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that future because that future is actually today. As, as Gabriel was saying, this isn't what we're planning to do five years from now. This is actually happening today. Love it. Gabby, I'm going to come to you for your uh, future visions as well. I'm going to take also Cliff's path of going back to my past because as you heard at the beginning, like if I'm a mathematician, so I remember like learning about AI just on paper, right? It was not used. It was just theory and a lot of, you know, I'm not going to say how long ago, but it was a while ago. And then, you know, and that was like, and it excited me too as well. Like even though I ended up more on the content side and not on the tech side, I still like really like the, you know, the math and the, the theory behind all of these things. And now seeing it in action and seeing it getting really better and better and actually being, as Cleve was saying, able to preempt certain decisions that before was impossible, I think can really focus our efforts on what really matters the most, which is like how we, you know, we think and how we create, you know, from a more creative and transformation standpoint, the right content and then make those decisions and those, you know, production uh, activities and all of those things, if you think, up front the right way 
to be done by these new great technologies that can take us way further and get us better results and get our work just more interesting. And can I go back very quickly to the, when we say a best practice around this, a bad practice is to jump into AI and think it's going to automate it and predict things straight away because it will not. It takes a lot, it takes practice. But most importantly, what comes before the AI is you need to understand the process and you need to understand how people will use the process. And then you think about how AI and automation will improve the process. And I see, as again, we always start with the technology and then we think about the people and the process. With AI, that will completely burn you. And so you must very, very, very clearly understand and articulate the process and the people that will operate it and then roll in the AI to actually improve things. And I think that I've seen done badly so many times, but when done right, it is super, super exciting to see where the organization goes. So um, I think that's definitely one to put back into the questions for better practice. I love that. I think that's a lovely a lovely note to end on, actually, um, from both of you talking about what's exciting and, and how we can kind of really work towards um, this, this dream, this vision that we mentioned right at the beginning of the episode, but at the same time rooting what we're talking about in reality um, and in the sort of um, implementable ideas that we have right now that are not just um, technologies, but rather looking at your organization as a whole, looking at your, your chain or your network of content and being able to strategize around that step by step. So Gabby, Cleve, thank you so much for both of you joining us and sharing all of your insight and expertise on this um, quite, quite, uh, I guess, broad topic because it keeps seems to come up and no matter what you talk about, everyone's kind of wanting to work out how to do this. So thank you so much for coming and sharing some of your, your uh, implementable uh, right now ideas and insights. You've been listening to The Experience Makers, a Wonderman Thompson technology podcast. You can follow us at One Thompson Tech on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit us at wondermanthompson.com. If you'd like to hear more about this discussion, check out our content creator guide via the link in the episode synopsis. And you can join me next month to hear more from The Experience Makers as we discuss how businesses can recession-proof their digital experience with Acquia's Vice President of Corporate Marketing, Tom Bianchi.